I'm Nicole. I'm Rachel. This is the Movement Toward Change podcast. We are using dance as a means to cultivate community and start conversation. Today, we are honored to speak with Leo Zielinska. Leo studied at the Cotter Rotterdam Dance Academy and is a graduate of the Independent Study Program at the Ailey School in New York City. She danced professionally with Sidra Bell Dance New York and was featured on the cover of Dance Magazine in January 2018. Leo is currently an artistic associate at the Gibney Company, where she is the founder of the OK Let's Unpack This initiative, working to normalize the conversation of mental health within the dance community. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Hi, um, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about a multitude of things today. So could you tell us a little bit about your journey to this point? Absolutely. So um, my name is Leo and I was born and raised in Poland. My dad's Polish, my mom's American, um, but they chose to live there. Um, and as a kid, I was always in and out of dance, um, kind of trying to make my, figure out my way um, within the world of dance. Um, it's maybe not necessarily the most like uh, simple path that I had because we don't have like the best education for dance, but it, somehow I figured it out um, in terms of falling in love with it so much that I just needed to do it. Um, I trained um, in ballet and contemporary with um, mostly private teachers and then um, ended up in high school thinking about it more seriously and trying to figure out a conservatory to go to for my um, undergrad and was super, super lucky to have some mentors who um, pushed me towards choosing a school like Code Arts. Um, got in, was very lucky to get into that school, but my first semester, my first year there, I started having some mental health issues, um, which was not uncommon, sadly, um, which led me to um, having to withdraw and move home and have like a very tumultuous recovery um, that took about two years. And after that, I was in a way, figuring out a way to restart re-entering the dance world. Um, and I had um, a former partner who was sitting at the Ailey School in New York City. So I kind of came to visit. That was in the summer of 2013 and I'm still here. <laughs> so that was like a somewhat rash decision, unexpected, but it just felt right and it still feels right. So um, I started by doing work study at the Ailey School, um, getting my body back into the dance studio. And then after about a semester or two, um, got into the independent study program, um, which was very rigorous, very um, good for me in the moment. Um, and after that, I was lucky enough to take part in a summer intensive called Movement Invention Project, where I was introduced to Sidra Bell. And following that summer, um, I started as an apprentice and then followed um, by being hired the next year. Um, spent three years with Sidra. That's when I did like the dance magazine thing happened and a lot of really cool, awesome opportunities with Sidra. And after three years, I felt like I wanted to try some other perspectives and work with some other people. 
And that is when um, I inquired with Gibney Company um, and they actually had a contract available. So it was perfect timing. And I also had been interested in arts and social justice work or more so how we can also be activated outside of the studio itself. So it just felt like a perfect fit. And now I'm in my third year with Gibney Company as an artistic associate. And that is also where I was um, prompted to create an advocacy project, uh, which for me from the start was very clear that it would be around mental health because my very close to heart lived experiences. Um, and the first year was a lot of research, but now going into my third year, it's a full, fully formed um, project that just keeps evolving and keeps um, moving forward. The project is called, okay, let's unpack this. And as you mentioned, um, it focuses on destigmatizing the conversation, but now moving forward more so even on getting access to resources for dance artists. And now we're in a huge pandemic. So it just kind of, it feels even more urgent. So I've been working a lot on that lately um, in the past few months. So yeah, that's how we got here. Mm. Um, so do you feel like there's been a specific event that has shaped your career? Specific event, has there been a specific event that has shaped my career? Um, I always have a hard time with like super, super definitive questions like this because I feel like it's just such a oh one of my dance mom mentors um Alexandra Wells talks about wingspan she's been talking about this a lot lately and I and the way that I'm understanding this or to like paraphrase it it's like your entire experience is your wingspan and it just keeps expanding and growing um but I'm sure of course there's certain events or certain circumstances that add much more growth. Um, I mean, I think for me, one thing was not having like the conventional path into the dance world. That definitely shapes it because I think I'm, I always like joke about being a bit of a schemer or just like always, you know, thinking about how to make things happen because <laughs> I've had to like make things happen for myself a lot. Um, or, you know, I wouldn't have, maybe had this opportunities if I didn't kind of make them available to myself. Um, so that's probably something that's shaped um, like how I move forward. And then also obviously just having mental health issues um, early on when I was in college and throughout my entire life because it just, you know, you learn how to I personally learn how to deal with it better, but it's still present in some shape or form. Um, so I think that also has informed a lot of how I navigate being a dancer and how I um, work and what I bring into the space. And um, In addition to your personal experiences with mental health, uh, were there any other inspirations for beginning the Okay, Let's Unpack This initiative? Absolutely. So I think... Um, I used to be super, super ashamed and I used to be super, super secretive about any of my history around mental health and the most difficult chapter of my life happened before I moved to New York and I think that's also partially why moving to New York and not really knowing anyone and, and being this anonymous person 
um, felt good <laughs> because I could start over in a way. But over time, as I sat with this longer and started making connecting with people here and, and making very meaningful relationships and, and some of my best friends today. Um, you know, things come up, you start talking, trusting people more, talking about this more and realizing over time how ununique my experience was in a way. Um, and just starting to see how many people relate, how many people have very similar um, stories, how many people, you know, struggle but don't talk about the same things every day. My mind was blown, honestly, and I think um, it took me a long time to be this comfortable talking about it, and there's still a lot of things that I don't feel comfortable talking about, um, but that's just, I think, the process. Um, but... I think as I was especially initially um, thinking about what the project, what I can do as a dancer, how, how can I be of best service? How can I be an advocate within the dance community around mental health? Um, was talking about these things and kind of taking them out of the shadows of the stigma and, and secretive shame, all of this. And I think um, my, my initial you know, mission was to make f people feel less alone in their experiences. And I love the fact that it also does that for me as I'm creating this project, because every person that I connect to that share their, shares their story or um, we have a conversation around, you know, the programming that we're thinking about and why we think it's important it just makes me feel like, oh, this project as I'm building it is also helping me the way that I want it to help other people. Um, so definitely just so many members of the dance community who have some version of, you know, of a story around mental health within their careers or within their training. I think mental health can be so different from physical health because you can't see it. Like you, you can see when someone breaks an arm and they have a cast or they yeah. twist their ankle and they're putting like a tiger bomb on or something. But you know, with mental health, it, it can be invisible. You think the person's totally fine. So that makes it even easier for it to kind of be a secret in some ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's so many different, um, things that can be happening because for me for example I struggled um a lot with restrictive eating disorders anorexic and like orthorexic orthorexics over time that actually does present itself in your body if you start like rapidly losing weight but there's also a lot of things that might necessarily not um present themselves physically as you said so it's somewhat of an invisible thing that can be hidden or maybe even at times is encouraged to be hidden. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, do you have certain hopes for dancers as it pertains to their mental health and well-being? Absolutely. I have so, oh, I have so many hopes and dreams <laughs> around, around mental health in the dance community. So, and I think, 
I'm starting to see a little bit of change happening. I mean, change is always happening. It's inevitable. But I think that um, the way that we even, our generation even speaks about it, it's a much more normalized conversation is what I'm learning for myself. Um, I think that um, we're learning how to hold a little bit more power over, you know, taking care of ourselves. Um, I think we're learning how to say no at times or how to, you know, say what we need. So those are really things that I hope for that can grow. Um, I think a lot about people in training, whether it's pre-professional or professional training, and how um, we need to speak with the younger, the better, right? Um, to kind of educate and make sure that there's fewer instances of things getting really bad um, because people are better educated and better prepared and know how to seek help, know when to seek help. So those are that's a lot of what I'm hoping for. There's a lot of really cool trainings that are available. Um, we've been doing mental health first aid trainings at Gibney. I think we've done two or three so far um, for staff and for the community. So things like that really, um, I think are really important. Uh, also now there's so much momentum, which is also why I think the fellowship, my, my project has kind of expanded quite quickly, um, is because there's so much focus. Um, everyone is having some kind of, you know, anxieties and struggles and uncertainty around the pandemic. Um, what I'm hoping that we take away from this specific period, the last few months, is um, not forgetting about our mental health once things, um, I don't want to say normalize, but once we move past the most severe parts of the pandemic, you know, so that the next time something happens, we're better prepared, but also so that people realize that this is something that we really want to care about every day, even when things are going well, even as a preventative um, measure, right? So I like to think about it as we cross train or we do PT exercises as preventative or strengthening or stretching or whatever you need to do to prevent injuries. And I think I like to think about mental health the same way. Like we need to do a lot of work and care ourselves and for each other while we're feeling good so that when we feel bad or so you know avoid feeling bad but when we do we also know what to do so definitely I think learning those coping skills when times are good really does help when you are going through something in that moment you kind of have all of these skills exactly. in your back yeah exactly um, so kind of going off of that, how is mental health stigmatized in the dance community and beyond? And then how do you think that we can break that stigma? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we probably all have seen this in some shape or form. I think it's very relatable in the larger society. Um, but I think it's also like heightened within the dance community and and any kind of very competitive very strict very kind of cutthroat environment is not unique to dancers but i do feel like we have even more so stigma of you know never appearing weak or never you know never um being like the problematic person because 
irreplaceable or things like that. Um, you know, being overly ambitious. I'm also talking from my own experience because that's what I do. You know, I don't want to be like the problematic dancer. I don't want to be the, um, yeah, the weak kind of person who can't pull through or, um, and these are all things that I'm unlearning for myself, um, have been and continue to. Um, I think just, it drives me wild how like pop culture and, and just in general, how mental health or mental illnesses viewed, you know, like someone in a movie in a straight jacket being like mocked is different than, you know, your friend in your class who's maybe dealing with like depression or like trauma from their childhood. Those, those are very two different things. And, um, like othering people is definitely not helpful. Um, yeah. And, and just like the crazy ambitious productive, like who's whoever is working the hardest is like the most rewarded person dancer. Um, I think those are like finding those balances is really important. Um, so that we put less pressure on each other while we're already put, putting pressure on ourselves usually. Yeah. It's okay to cry. I don't know. Like all of these things, right? It's okay to talk about feelings. It's okay to take a mental health day. Um, we've been, um, the Gibney organization is revising our employee handbook right now. And like even small things like making sure that the language around time off or sick days includes mental health days, things like that. So that you don't feel um, the stigma of taking a mental health day. If, if you're dealing with anything, it should be just as normal as taking, you know, uh, any other kind of sick day injured day what whatever it might be so yeah mm -hmm. kind of like a lot of changes throughout schools or companies so that people feel more supported and that their mental health really matters absolutely yeah and I think it needs to be explicit I think it needs to be not only like saying you can take a mental health day if you need it needs to be if there's going to be language around it or if it's going to be in a contract it needs to be in the contract right um it has to be explicit and encouraged even um i know for a fact like people will take those days um but people shouldn't have to lie about like having the stomach flu to to you know to be able to deal and like make a call to their therapist or to whatever support system they seek. It should be okay. We shouldn't have to, you know, again, hide, um, those things because that just, uh, like reiterates the state of isolation and otherness and, and weakness and all of that. So kind of all goes in a circle, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, on a similar note, uh, what does self-care mean to you? That is such a good question because we just had a week off. Um, the company just had a week off for Thanksgiving and I came back into work today and I'm panicking because there is so much to do. 
and just I've been reflecting on balance. I think for me, I love working and I love what I do, but I also love it too much sometimes. So I work a little too much. So I think for me, self-care is balance. Um, making sure that I do everything that I love, but also work-wise, but also, you know, don't drive myself into the ground um, and find time for myself, whatever that might be. If it's something silly, like, not silly, but just something pleasurable, like doing a face mask or watching a movie. Um, and also, I know that I tend to, like, shut myself off. So I think for me, also making sure that I'm also social and taking care of my relationships, friendships, everything, family. That's, I know that it's an intention to, to, to be around or to spend time and care for people, but I know that that also gives me a lot of goodness. So that's definitely something that I'm also trying to balance. And if any of my friends listen to this, they're going to laugh because I don't always succeed, but, um, I'm trying, I'm aware of it at least. <laughs> We're all always working on something. Um, I think I'm probably known to like work a lot, but yeah, balance is a really, that's like a big self-care thing for me because I get very excited about projects and stuff. <laughs> so as a professional dancer, how do you create time to both take care of your physical and mental health, whereas usually physical health is much more prioritized in the dance fields? Right. Um, I think the more I'm dancing, and I'm in my, I think, sixth year dancing professionally in New York. So it's been like, you know, it's been a few years. Um, I've definitely like figured some things out for myself or I'm realizing things over time. And for me, my physical and mental health are super, 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 um, like they don't seem separate. I know that like the better I feel mentally, the better my body feels and the better I'm able to perform or just train. Um, so I think it kind of goes hand in hand. And I also like some combinations of like activities. Like I, I do yoga. I'm not a yogi, but I definitely have some kind of like practices that I do for myself that feel like they can combine the two so they're not like goal oriented but I'll do some yoga just because it feels also like a meditation but I'm also like working with my physical body and it feels like it kind of connects the two um I've definitely gotten more into meditation and breathing exercises lately which I get again I think feels like combining or like merging the physical and the, the mental um, space. And I think something I've been noticing also lately is um, doing the mental work of listening to my body. I think we're often, or I know for myself, I'm often like telling my body what to do and I think I've been thinking 
I think I've been thinking. I've definitely been thinking about um, what it means to listen and to take information from what your body is telling you. And I think that approach also kind of activates the mind and and connects it more so, so it's more cohesive. Um, and I guess that also, I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's all a lot of, a lot of work. So um, I think it also makes it more efficient to, to feel like you're working on both at the same time, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily separate. Yeah, we were we were talking in another episode how like physical pain can sometimes be worsened by what our thoughts are about it. So like if we're feeling very stressed and that might lead to like more feeling in the body of tightness or inflammation or stress, like it the the thoughts in the mind can often manifest in the body and that's so prevalent in dancers because we're using our body so much and we need it to be able to move and turn and this and that and if we're if we have limitations, that makes it even harder. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's, I mean, there's so much, I, it, that just made me think about like injuries and coming back from injuries and the fear that's associated there and how much, sometimes it's so much more even mental work that happens. Like I sprained my knee like a year and a half ago during a show and then coming back from it, I was doing everything physically, you know, but then I was still scared for a few months to not re-sprain it, right? But that's just mental work. Like, just as an example um, of how connected the the two are and how impactful, like, mental work can be on our performance. And I also, yeah, for example, another example is I've been doing um, a lot of like mindfulness, breathing exercises, kind of centering exercises. And I even, I've even noticed how that impacts my performance, like on stage performance. Cause like, as we all, or I hope, or I don't know, but I think most of us still get nervous for cer- certain shows or certain um, pieces. And, you know, you're like about to go on stage and your mind is scattered and you're not thinking about the right thing. I felt like, I feel like that practice, for example, helps me center myself, come back to like what I'm supposed to be doing specifically right now. And then my, you know, I'm more grounded in my physical body. So yeah, it's all super intertwined. Um, Is there any advice that you would give to your younger self? I mean, this is just such a basic one, but I think just patience. Um, I think there's also this like youth, um, like prioritizing youth and and putting it on a pedestal in the dance community, right? Because we have only X number of years to perform or to dance, which I also don't necessarily agree with, but there is this kind of fetishization of, of youth And if you don't get a job right out of school or like if you don't like have your big break by like 23, um, I don't agree with that. Of course, like I was worried about that earlier on, but I'm doing things that I didn't even know about or dream about 
um, and it's, I'm only 28. Um, so following your heart and just doing whatever you need to be doing today for yourself for today. Um, if you do that for long enough, it will amount in things that you might not even have dreamt up for yourself. I used to have like a very, you know, specific companies I wanted to dance for and specific people I wanted to work with. And that didn't necessarily work out the way I wanted to, but I'm also doing something that I think is a much better fit for me personally. And it just took some time to figure it out and to find myself in this position. So patience, trust the process. Another mentor of mine, two of them actually, um, but Nigel Campbell, who's my director and his um, partner in running Move NYC, Chanel Da Silva, they always tell the young professionals, the high school students to trust the process. And I feel like most of them probably don't believe it, but I'm like, please believe it, it's true. <laughs> trust the process, just give it some time. <laughs> um, so how can we work together as a dance community to try to break the unattainable ideals and the toxic messages that dancers often receive in the fields? That is a fantastic question. And I think just by being is the best way to do it. You know, I think about, oh, like, there's no one who looks like me in the company. I wish there was someone with like bigger thighs in the company or whatever it might not be. And one time I realized I was like, oh wait, maybe I'm that person for myself. Let me just be this. And maybe that's, you know, enough in a way. Um, yeah, just being less apologetic about things if everyone agreed all of a sudden that we're all just going to be our best selves without trying to be anything else, that would be it. Um, of course it's difficult, but, um, I've been thinking a lot about organizing and, and grassroots and, you know, all of these really cool initiatives that are always happening within the dance community because we're so good at, you know, working with very little and we're so resourceful. There's always so much cool stuff. Um, cool initiatives, cool like change on the horizon. Um, if all of us were on board, you know, then things would be different. And also, you know, we're gonna be in charge. We're gradually more and more in charge as the years pass, as time passes. So keeping to our ideals and staying true to what we believe in, it's inevitable that things will change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot, that idea of like not searching for what you would like, but sort of creating it for yourself. Yeah, and it's difficult, you know? It's difficult because it's easier to kind of rely on someone or see something that's already possible and already being done and then try to do that as well. It's much more difficult to just, you know, be, but I think that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, what are some coping skills you would recommend for dancers dealing with performance anxiety 
or just general insecurities? I know you'd mentioned the breathing, which is a great tool. Yeah, um, I think the best way is to research a bunch of different ways of coping and um, finding what works best for you. I've been in and out of therapy for probably like 10 years. Um, so I know, for example, for myself, like sometimes I need to go back into therapy and that is what I need. Um, I know that that's not always accessible, hence the project itself. But um, yeah, I mean, a few this this year I went back into therapy. So I was like, this is a lot, y'all. <laughs> We're all dealing with a lot. Um, but simpler things, I, for example, like, I'm not a, I'm not a very advanced meditator, but I have a meditation app. It's so simple and easy and free. Um, also not very innovative, but journaling, um, has been helpful for me personally. Um, I recently got into tarot readings and I, the way that I'm like understanding it is it's a meditation in itself because I have it as like a whole little ritual that, you know, I actually have to carve out time in my day to sit, to reflect, to think, to read, to write, to talk to someone about it. Um, so not as much, I think for me, like the magical aspect of it, more so it as a ritual and as a meditation in itself. Um, and also a new thing I'm finding at 28, talking to people about whatever you're feeling, very groundbreaking, <laughs> but maybe someone else needs to hear it too. I mean, I think I, I just like, you know, internalize a lot. Um, so just sometimes speaking something and like putting it in the space just takes away its power a lot. So, um, but yeah, there's also like workbooks and stuff that are so easily accessible, much cheaper and yeah, easier to access than like a therapist or a counselor at times. There are there are also um, a lot of free hotlines um, out there too. I had like a really deep dip a few, I don't know, sometimes this fall. I was just like, oh God, I hate this. I know what's happening, but I still hate this because this has happened before, but this is awful. And I ended up, um, it was actually a resource for my website. And I was like, well, you know what, if you're talking about this to everyone, maybe you should use it too. And it was actually great. Someone like talked me through like this whole panic situation for about 45 minutes and it was online and it was free. And it was, um, I think the one that I used was NYC Well, so that's specifically New York City, but there's also national ones. So all of that is available. Um, I think part of what we're trying to do with the project also is to kind of um, consolidate everything in one space so it's easier to find because the last thing I wanna do when I feel awful is like Google and research. So at least if it's in one place then um, it's a little easier. That is such a good idea because when you're going through something, yeah, like you said, you don't want to be overwhelmed with no. where do I go for these resources. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what steps should a dancer take 
if they are having some mental health concerns? And when might a dancer know if they should speak with a mental health professional? Um, I think if you're thinking about it, do it. Um, because in my own experience, again, there is no point in waiting until you're like in crisis crisis because you might actually be able to avoid the crisis crisis if you reach out earlier on. Um, again, there's a lot of resources where you can talk to someone and kind of explain what it's more like a con consultation versus like committing to something and they might be able to refer you to the best um, support, whether it's just like that one initial conversation is enough for you or if they, you both decide that um, you would like to seek some further um, assistance or further help. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I stand by, you know, like it's, it's never a bad idea to reach out. Um, so if, yeah, if that thought crossed your mind, it's probably good enough to, to, to um, follow through. Um, I also, it's been interesting, like this year, I've been, you know, dealing with this in and out, I kind of know the whole drill of how all of this works at this point. Um, but people reaching out and having very, very many conversations in the past few months of people being like, where do I even start? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to do that. Um, you can go to like one of the hotlines and as I said, they can help you to find something that might be the best suitable fit to you. Um, or find a website like ours or any other website that kind of has a lot of options and a lot of um, resources and information and find for yourself who you would like to reach out to. If you're in an institution, if you're in in an educational institution, they most likely will have a counselor or somebody who can at least refer you somewhere. So that also can be a good place to start. If you're in a company, there also might be support that you know or don't know about. So that can also be a good place to start. Um, and yeah, usually a first session or a consultation, it won't go into like your deepest trauma and like everything, you know, it will just be kind of like a getting to know what your needs are, where you're at, what will be the best kind of support for you. Maybe it's a group. Maybe you just need like that sense of community. I think that's been um, what a lot of us are lacking lately. So very, indi very individual, um, but there's no bad place to start. I think that's all I'm gonna add. Just like acknowledging, if you're thinking about getting help, it's really important to find, to begin with some resource. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, <laughs> I've been in New York for a while and um, dating in New York is a whole world. And I kind of like to think about um, like finding a good therapist. This is specifically about like committing to a longer term therapist, but it's a little like dating. It's, you know, you might need to talk to a few people before you find that good fit because it's also so important to have someone that you trust and feel comfortable you know being very vulnerable like therapy can be awful and hard i'm not gonna sit here saying like yeah it's great and it feels awesome it's you know it can be very difficult um 
and scary. So just making sure that you find that person to settle on who, who really meets all of your needs is important. Um, which is also why we've been trying to curate our resources to kind of reflect what the dance community is, looks like, how it loves, how it identifies. So um, making sure that all of these things are also respected within whatever, whoever you're um, talking to. Hmm. And would you give any specific advice to a dancer if they're seeing a therapist that has never met a dancer before and might, there might be a little bit of a barrier and understanding? Right. I mean, I think that's very individual. Um, the therapist that I'm seeing now is not like, does not specialize in seeing dancers, but we have a very good connection. And I've also been working with her for a while. So she, she's like, has an understanding of my life. Um, I feel like that can work, um, but also if, like, performance or, or dance career things are something that you're seeking support for, maybe it is, um, maybe it does make sense to, to seek someone who works specifically with, like, performing arts, because there's also a lot of those resources that, you know, there's one less thing, one fewer thing to explain or to try to, um, you know, give context to, um, and also, you know, like therapy can be expensive and efficiency at times, like you, you don't have to explain the hierarchy of a dance company, for example, like that might, might be beneficial. Um, but again, I would say it's very individual. If someone who has no idea about dance understands your, your you know, like your, perspective without that knowledge, then I don't, yeah, that's also great. Hmm. What would be your number one piece of advice you would like to give to the movement toward change dance community? I always feel funny, like giving advice. I'm like, I don't, most of the time I don't, I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just doing something and hoping that it's going to work. And, you know, I feel like a lot of us feel that way a lot of the time. I feel that way like every moment. <laughs> right. And I'm like, when is when I, when am I going to feel like I know what I'm doing? I don't know. Um, maybe that's the piece of advice, you know, trust yourself. Like we all carry so much experience and we all have, you know, so much to give. Um, I guess it goes back to kind of like just being yourself and trusting those instincts. And of course, there's always so much room to grow. And of course, there's always so much um, to learn and to acquire and to experience. But I think we're also because of like hierarchies within the dance community and stuff, like we're all kind of timid at times. And like, maybe there's no need for that. You know, we all carry so much value. So let's trust ourselves more, I guess. I love like, that. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and, and sharing your story um, if you have further questions for Leal or would like to learn more about the initiative you can visit okayokayokay.org awesome thank you so much for having me this was really really fun good luck with everything moving forward thank you <laughs>